welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. So welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and today you've just got me, and I'm going to be talking about all things marketing. In today's episode, amongst other things, what I'm going to be focusing on is what is marketing meant to do? Why it's important to understand who your target market or ideal client is? What is the the concept for your salon business? And that's just to start with. So let's get started straight away by asking the question, what is marketing? Now, I've got this great quote in front of me. It's from Walt Disney. And the quote says, clean bathrooms is marketing. And I love the simplicity of that. Clean bathrooms is marketing. Because what it's saying is that every single thing is marketing. There's another great quote from marketing guru Seth Godin who's you know, a great author, I totally recommend you read all his stuff and listen to his podcasts, et cetera. And one of the things that he said is, marketing used to be about advertising. But today, marketing is about engaging with people and delivering experiences. It's about relationships and telling stories about who we are and what we do. You see, we are bombarded with so many things, all fighting to get our attention. So simply advertising who you are and what you offer is just no longer going to be enough. To succeed, you really need to engage with people and you have to connect with people. And that means delivering experiences and building relationships with people. It's an emotional thing. It's not just about adapting some standardized promotional pieces and thinking that they will connect. Effective marketing must be authentic in order to connect. And that's the challenge that we have as small businesses and as salon owners today to connect and really engage with people. And that is the role of marketing. I love the expression, marketing is communication, and you cannot not communicate. Meaning that everything you and your team do and say, and everything that you and your team don't do and say, is communicating something. Everyone, by virtue of that statement, means that everyone is a marketeer, if that's even a word, and everything is marketing, meaning that everything is sending a message. So the question really becomes is, what message are you and your team communicating 24-7? Because marketing is about taking your dream for your business out of your head and making it real, making it tangible, and making it identifiable. Marketing is about making a promise that this is who we are. This is what we do. This is the experience that you're going to have. This is the relationship you're going to have with our brand. And then it's about delivering on that promise. So what is marketing? What are the functions of marketing. Because if you own a salon, then in all probability, you are the marketing department, along with all your many other jobs. So 
what are these jobs, these functions of marketing that, that you're now, you know, the person who's meant to be doing? Because these functions are part of your job description. So maybe the first function of marketing is to define the vision for the business. Well, what does that even mean? Vision purely means what is it that you want to do? That's all it means. Don't get hung up on the terminology. What is your vision for the business? What do you want your business to be like? And if you can write that down in a sentence or a paragraph or you know whatever it is, then that's the beginning of capturing your vision. What is another function of marketing? Well, it would be it's connected to the vision. It, it, and, and it's what I call the positioning of the brand. Now, what, what I mean by the positioning of the brand is who are you trying to appeal to? So um, maybe the, the easiest way to, to reference this is to talk about price, that you know, with any product or service, there will be a range of prices. And at the bottom end of that price scale, you will have what we often refer to as the, uh, the value. Um, end of the pricing scale or the budget end of the pricing scale. And at the top end of that scale, we'll often call it the, the premium pricing. So that's what I mean by positioning. Are you positioned at the value end or at the premium end? So if we put that in a salon context, and I certainly don't mean any of these things ever in a, in a derogatory way, uh, but at the, at the value end, you might put a brand like, say, Supercuts. That's a value uh, brand positioning. Whereas at the top end is those salons that are uh, you know the premium salons that are charging you know uh, you know top dollar for their uh, products and services, and they will vary from uh, city to city, country to country. So that's what I mean by the positioning of the brand, and that is a functioning of marketing to decide where have you positioned the brand. Uh, another function of marketing is then developing a cohesive image that represents that positioning. So the image, whether it's talking about the, you know, the design and decor or the logo or the, you know, the stuff that you've got on your Instagram feed, what's the image that you're putting out there? That's a function of marketing. The next one would be defining the experience. See, that's, that's a function of marketing to, to go, okay, well, if this is our positioning value or premium or something in the middle, what is the experience that we need to design and deliver to attract and keep those clients? Uh, another one would be advertising. Okay, so like we said at the beginning, you know, advertising on its own is is not marketing, but advertising is a part of marketing. So that is one of the functions of marketing that, as the owner or manager, that you're now you know beholden to. That is now part of your job description. Likewise with PR and uh, generating publicity or perhaps putting events on or merchandising of your products and services. Yeah. So all of these things are a function of marketing. Marketing is also about pricing your products and services. It's about doing industry research and collating results and dealing with complaints and putting proposals together, whether it's to landlords or manufacturers or whoever else it might be. And yes, marketing is also about social media and whatever other new technologies that there are out there. But here's the thing not one of these things on their own 
will transform your business and get more clients or, or turn them into regulars. There is no one silver bullet that will transform your business. But collectively, all these things will make a difference. And that's what I mean by a marketing ecosystem. And it's not easy and it's not quick. In fact, it's a never-ending job. It's about a lot of hard work and it's about a lot of hard work consistently. And here's the thing. If you're not doing it, then in all probability, it's just simply not getting done. You see, building a business, in my mind, is like putting a jigsaw together. It's like an ecosystem of things that all go together. And all these systems and subsystems integrate like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle so that the business isn't a part of you, it's a part from you. And that's a really important statement that you think of marketing or you think of your role as a salon owner of, of being someone who is developing systems. Because when it's a system, it's no longer a part of you. By virtue of the fact that it's a system, it starts to mean that somebody else could do it, that you could train, you could delegate to somebody else to do whatever that system is. Because a system is something that is written down. A system is something that can be replicated. And that's what I mean by that great quote, that it's not a part of you, it's a part from you. So think of your business like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Think of the marketing side of your business and all those functions as being like individual pieces of a puzzle. And it really only works effectively when all those pieces are there. Now, it is hard work. I'm not going to pretend it's not. And it doesn't take five minutes. In fact, it can take years. But it is what really defines the success of your business. And without them, it, it can become like building a house on sand. It's the ultimate sort of house of cards. It won't last forever. It won't last long, in fact. And it will forever be dependent on you because. Well, you are the business. Nothing can be done without you. Ultimately, think of the role of marketing as being about growth. One of the seminars I present is a full-day marketing program. And at the beginning, I always start by asking the audience, what would you like to get from today? And predictably, the majority of the answers revolve around, how do I get more clients? And getting more clients definitely is part of what marketing is. But the purpose of marketing is communication for the ultimate purpose or ultimate reason of client generation. So that's what I mean by getting new clients, client generation. But it's also about client conversion, meaning turning those new clients into regulars. And ultimately, it's then about client retention, meaning keeping them as long as possible. You see, a lot of salons have a healthy flow of new clients. Maybe they have five new clients a week. And when I say that five new clients a week is a healthy influx, a lot of people are astounded. But imagine if you got five new clients a week, every week, every week of the year, that's five new clients times 52 weeks, hang on, let me grab my calculator, is 260 clients. Now imagine that they have an average bill of $100. So that's 260 new clients in a year times $100 equals $26,000 or pounds or whatever their currency is. And then imagine that they come 
six times a year. So that's 26,000 multiplied by six times a year equals $156,000. So that's what I mean by a healthy influx is five new clients a week. But the problem isn't attracting new clients. The problem is turning those new clients into regulars and then keeping them. And so a role of marketing is client conversion and client retention because turning them into regulars is client retention and keeping them as long as, as, sorry, is client conversion, turning them into regulars and keeping them for not just one haircut or two haircuts or five haircuts, but for five years, 10 years, 20 years. That's what I mean by client retention. You see, there's no point in spending lots of time and money trying to grow the business and get new clients in the front door if you're not just as focused on keeping them and turning them into regulars. So where do we start? Well, I, I always think that the first thing that you need to do once you start talking about the vision of your business and start talking about the positioning of your business is to identify who your target market is. I think that's where it starts. I think it starts with understanding who is your target market, or another way of saying that is who is your ideal client. Now, I want to tell you about a, a personal experience that I had around that. And it was with a, uh, a sales executive from a magazine. She was a sales manager or whatever she was uh, from the advertising department of Marie Claire magazine. And she came to see me because I used to advertise in the uh, national magazines when I had my salons, um, which in hindsight was actually a foolish thing to do, but that's the story for another podcast. And anyway, she came into my office and she got her laptop out. And, um, you know, after we exchanged small talk, she went into her presentation. And basically what she did was she had this great presentation and it started off with her saying, our reader is. And then she went through all the things about who the reader of Marie Claire was. And it went something like this. She said, you know, and I'm going to paraphrase here. She said, you know, our reader is female. She is between the age of 26 and, uh, you know, 38 or whatever. Uh, she is a professional woman. She is working. She has two children. She is married. She, uh, you know, holidays in these resorts, eats in these restaurants. She uh, earns, you know, this income level. Um, you know, she, you know, read these books. She sees these movies. She eats in these restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. And I can just remember sitting there listening to her thinking, oh, my God you know so much about who your target market is. You see, all magazines have a very clear profile of their reader, and everything is then targeted to the type of person's needs and aspirations that they want to attract. So the articles that they put in that magazine are aimed at attracting those clients. The models they put on the cover are aimed at attracting those clients. The advertisements in there are aimed at attracting those clients. Every single thing they do is aimed at attracting those clients. The whole look and feel of that magazine is focused on a very clearly defined target market. And I sat there listening to her thinking, wow, that's incredible. And of course, what she said at the end of this was, she said, and our reader is your target market. And so, you know, she was reinforcing why me spending my advertising dollar with her was a sound decision because the client that she described very definitely was also the client that I have in my salon. 
So ask yourself those questions. If your salon was a magazine, okay, what magazine would it be? So, you know, you go down to your, you know, your news agents and you look at all the magazines on the shelf and ask yourself that question. Ask your team that question. If your salon was a magazine, which magazine would it be? If your salon was a fashion label, what label would it be? Are you the Zara of hairdressing? Or are you the Gucci of hairdressing? Are you the H&M of hairdressing? Are you, um, you know, uh, let me think of some other brands. You know, are you, uh, you know, the Woolworths of hairdressing? Are you the Walmart of hairdressing? Are you the Tesco of hairdressing? Are you the, you know, the Target of hairdressing? Now, it's important to understand there is nothing wrong with any of these brands or labels. They all have a market, just like a hair product. If your salon was a hair product, what hair product would your salon be? Which one would it be? Because it's important to establish a focus. You can't be all things to all people. You need to be clear about who your target market is. You know, if your salon was a song, what song would it be? If your salon was a smell, what smell would it be? What scent would it be? What car would it be? It's a great exercise to do. If you start to do that, you start to get real clarity about who your target market is. So who are you trying to appeal to? Because as I said, you can't be all things to all people. I think that the key to successful marketing is reaching people who already want to buy what you sell. So who is your business offering, your products, your services most suited to? Because once you identify that, then you start to identify the easiest and the best ways to reach them. So to start with, you need to be clear about who you are and what you represent as a salon. Let's call that your salon offering or your salon concept and positioning. And then you need to be equally clear about who you aspire to have as a client, meaning who is your ideal client or target market. And you need to be able to broadly define them. For example, their age, their sex, are they male, are they female, the services that they're most likely to want, the price point that they're most, you know, uh, most likely to be um, you know, uh, thinking is good value. What, what value-added services that you need to offer for that target market? What are the needs and expectations of your target market? So I'm sure you get the idea. The more you can define them, the better. And then you need to create a business that fulfills those needs and expectations. So what is the concept and the positioning for your salon? And who is your ideal client? And most importantly, is it a match? Because as I keep saying, you can't be all things to all people. You see, even if you're in a small town, imagine you're in a small town with you know, a population of, I don't know, 5,000 people. And there's going to be, in a town that size, I'm imagining there's going to be at least five salons. And there's going to be another you know, half a dozen hairdressers at least that uh, are also doing hair. Uh, out of their homes or they go to the client's home. So you're in a small town. You think you have to be all things to all people. But now ask yourself this question. There's five other salons. Why 
as a client going to come to you over any of those other five salons? What is different about what you do and how you do it to those other five salons? I'm not saying that you don't do every client, but it's important to have a target market. It's important to understand who you are and what you want to be known for. And it can't just be about price because there's always going to be someone who's going to be cheaper than you. That's what I mean by establishing a focus. It's important that you stand for something, that you own something, a concept, whatever you want to call it, in the mind of the consumer. So ask yourself this question, what sort of salon do you want to have? So, so let me give you some, you know, some fairly uh, focused or, or definitions of what different types of salons there might be. So you go into any town and you'll have what I'll refer to as the family salon. So they do everybody. They do mum, dad, the kids. They do the pensioners. They do the, um, you know, they do the teenage girls for their school proms. They, they, they do everything. They're the, 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 the family salon. Um, they're um, probably mid-price range at best, okay? They're more likely to be sort of in the value to mid-price range point. So, so that's one type of salon. Another type of salon is maybe what I would refer to as the society salon. So if you're in a you know, in a bigger city, um, you're going to have salons that really occupy that, that niche at the top end of the market that, you know, they're not about high fashion. They're, they're about high society. And, you know, they often have those clients that I, I sometimes refer to as ladies who lunch, you know, so that demographic is, is going to very much be women. Um, and, you know, I don't mean this in a sexist way. It's just an observation that the majority of them probably are not working. Um, they have a high discretionary dollar to spend on themselves and they're very happy to, but they expect the salon environment, a salon location and, and, and staff and everything else to, to match their needs. So that's what I mean by, you know, a salon that's a society type of salon. It's not going to be part of a franchise or part of a chain. Then you have what I might loosely describe as contemporary and fashionable. So, so what would contemporary and fashionable be? Well, you know, to, to use a brand name, yeah, Tony and Guy would be like that. So, you know, Tony and Guy is a, it's sort of a global franchise of salons. Everyone would be familiar with them. That's what I mean by contemporary. They're, they're modern, they do fashionable work. And, you know, in every town or every city, you will see that there are a, a one-off salons that would also be trying to appeal to that uh, target market. But then you have, you know, what I call the, the cutting edge sort of street fashion. So th these are not going to be like a franchise type business. These are very much going to be, you know, a one-off salon. Uh, they tend to come and go a lot. Um, you know, they are, you know, what I call sort of cutting edge. You know, and obviously their target market, their client base is going to be, you know, a lot younger. Their price point is going to be cheaper. Then you have another sector that I loosely define as affordable luxury. Um, what's another sector you might, you might have say, you know, the barbershop thing has made a huge renaissance in the last five to 10 years. So, you know, maybe you aspire to open, you know, that sort of cool modern barbershop in town, or maybe you want to have some niche service salon. So for example, maybe you want to be a blow dry bar of some description or a, a retail salon. Maybe that's where your focus is, is that, you know, you're aiming for, you know, 50% of your total sales to come from retail. 
And that's obviously going to be a highly profitable uh, business model. Um, or maybe you're a, a, a value or budget salon, you know, that you're really competing on price. And often, you know, that, that, that might also then uh, be part of a chain or a franchise business model. Or maybe you're going to be specialists. Maybe you're going to specialize. For example, you're going to specialize in color. You're going to say that, you know, you're the color correction specialist or you specialize in color services. Or maybe you want to be exclusive. You want to be private. You want to be discreet. Probably in line with that, you're going to be at a, at a higher price point. Um, or maybe you want to be big business and super luxury. So, you know, th there's some sort of positionings, some, some different types of salons. So it's important to understand that one of them is not better or worse than the other. They're just different business models. And, you know, it's important to remember that, that one business model is, you know, maybe successful today, but maybe it wasn't 10 years ago. A great example of that would be the barbershop model. You know, in the last 10 years, we've seen a, a huge influx of the cool barbershop. Well, 10 years ago, that was really just getting off the ground. Now, pre-10 years ago, then, you know, that wasn't a successful business model. So what I'm saying is that it's important to understand that the successful business model of today will not necessarily be the business model that will succeed tomorrow. But here's the thing. Once you've defined where you want to position your business in the market, then everything else starts to fall into place. That's the important message from the name of the business, the location, the price point, the decor, the images, the type of products you use, the, the, the type of staff that you employ. I'm sure you get the idea. Everything you then consider doing has a reason, a point of reference to, to benchmark and, and validate that decision against. So how do you decide where you should put your focus? Well, I suppose the first thing to do is to ask yourself this question here. Where is your ambition? Or what is your ambition? What is your ambition? So think about that for a minute. Are you, are you wanting to open a, a chain of salons? Because, you know, if, if that's your ambition, then, you know, um, uh, uh, you, know you, you, you wouldn't be opening a, um, you know, like a society type of salon because they don't come in chains. They're very much one-offs, you know. Uh, are you wanting to go out there and win all sorts of awards? So if you are, then that would be very much uh, those salons that occupy that niche in this sort of, you know, contemporary and fashionable um, you know, market niche. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th there's no right or wrong answer to these questions, but where is your ambition? What do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? You see, for some people, you know, I meet salon owners all the time who they just want to be their own boss. They just want to have a small salon. They don't want a lot of staff. They, you know, just want to be in control of their destiny. They want to work the hours that they want. And, you know, they, they're quite happy sort of earning a, a mid-range income, you know. So, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, you know. Um, you know, it's very much a lifestyle business for them. And if that's their ambition, that's okay. At least you recognize that that's your ambition because that's going to affect then 
or these other decisions that you make, because that then becomes your point of reference. The next question that you should ask yourself is, well, where are your skills best suited? Because, you know, maybe you, you want to open a chain of salons. Maybe you want to franchise a business. Maybe you want to have 10 or 20 salons. Well, that's great. There's nothing wrong with wanting that. But do you have the business acumen for that? See, maybe you do, maybe you don't. You know, or or maybe you know you want to be that hairdresser that wins awards and wins hairdresser of the year and all that sort of stuff. Well, you know, that's great if you do, and I'd encourage you if that's what you want to do. But maybe that's just not who you are. Maybe you don't have those technical and creative skills. Maybe your 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 skills are in other areas. So where are your skills best suited? Another question would be to ask yourself, where are the opportunities in your market? So, for example, if in your town or your mall or whatever it was, you know, your, your high street, if, if, if there's already five salons that sort of exist and operate very much in the value uh, part of the market, well, maybe that's not where the opportunity is. Maybe the opportunity is to do that, not the value positioning, but, but to go for more the affordable luxury uh, sector. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe there's a whole lot of salons in your mall or high street that are all trying to compete in that affordable luxury positioning, but there's no one there at the value um, positioning. So, you know, where's the opportunity in your city, your, your mall, your high street, whatever the uh, you know, location is? The next question to ask yourself is, and where is the money to be made? Yeah, where is the money to be made? Well, there's money to be made in every single one of these sectors. I suppose at different times, maybe it's easier to make money in, in some of those uh, positionings than others, okay? But very clearly, there's money to be made in all of them, uh, you know, providing you've got the skills and, you know, you're in the right time and the right place and you build the right team and systems and, you know, that you've got the resources around you to make that happen. Maybe the last question to ask you in terms of positioning is to, to ask yourself, what economic and social trends are there? Because that's also going to impact on that. Because, you know, if there's, you know, a recession going on, then the type of salon you might want to open is, is quite possibly for many people, you know, they're going to be more driven by, you know, the, the value end of the market as opposed to the top end of the market. Or maybe there's an argument to saying that, you know, when there's a recession, the people at the very top end of the market, that they're not even affected by it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that they aren't, but I'm just saying that, you know, economic and social trends are also going to be an influence on where you decide to position your brand. Yeah. So, you know, we could dig into that for ages, but I'm sure you get the idea of, of where I'm coming from, you know, when I talk about positioning. And, you know, a, again, you know, just to wrap up with that, what's really important to reinforce is that one type of business is not better or worse than the other. They're just different. And there's money to be made everywhere. So ask yourself, what is your point of difference? Because it is so competitive out there. What's your point of difference? What's your concept? What is different 
about what you do and how you do business. What do you represent as a salon? What do you own in the mind of the consumer, so to speak? Who is your target market? Because when you start you know, defining the type of salon you want, you're really starting to define who your target market is. And we'll dig de- deeper into that in another podcast at a later time. But you know, the more you know about who your target market is, then the more effective all of your marketing is going to be. The next question is to ask yourself is how well do you communicate your point of difference? So, you know, if you're saying, well, we are the society salon or we are the value salon or we are, you know, in the affordable luxury thing, you know, how well do you compete or communicate, sorry, that point of difference, you know, to your potential audience? So, you know, that, that talks to your your branding, your price point, your, your salon image, your social media, you know, the location. How well do you communicate that this is who we are? And then, you know, what is the, the and, well, not, not what is, is everything that you're doing communicating the same message or, or is there contradiction between what you're doing? This is a location saying one thing, but you're, price point, your menu, your marketing, the, the, the look uh, and image of your staff, is that depicting a completely different message again? So everything needs to be thought of as being cohesively projecting the same image, communicating the same image to attract the client base that you want to attract. So as an exercise, I know there's been a lot of content here, a lot of stuff for you to reflect on. As an exercise, before we wrap up, perhaps a good thing for you to do is to, to you know, pause this podcast. And, and if you haven't already got a pen, a pa- pen and paper in front of you, then perhaps pause this podcast and, and answer each of these questions that I've got written down in front of me. And uh, you know, either answer them now or reflect on them and even reflect on them with your team and and come up with an answer to them because it'll start to give you a lot more clarity because marketing isn't just about saying, oh, I want to get more clients. Oh, great. Do this. You'll get a lot more clients. You know, I'm sure you get the picture that that to attract more clients, it, it requires a whole ecosystem of things that are working together that not only attract but turn into regulars and keep as long as possible. So here we go. The, the first thing I want you to write down is I want you to finish this sentence. My salon concept is. I want you to finish that sentence. My salon concept is. Is it to be the best value salon in town? Is it to be the family salon? Is it to be the affordable luxury salon? Is it to be the high-end luxury society salon? Is it to be the coolest barbershop in town? There's no right or wrong answer here, and you don't just have to work within the the, the uh, examples that I've given you. But what is your salon concept? The next thing to write down is my ideal client is. So my ideal client is, what would be the things you'd write after that? Well, their age, well, maybe even before age. 
Are they male? Are they female? Then what age group? What, what discretionary income? Are they working? Are they not working? Do they have colour and other services or not? Are they in there weekly or do they come monthly or do they come three times a year? Yeah? You see, the more you can define your ideal client, the better, because then the more focused your marketing is going to be. Maybe the next thing to write down is the ideal size and location of the salon is. So is it to be a, a standalone you know, building that perhaps you're even lucky enough to own in a, in a more suburban, affluent part of town, which is what it might be if you're a, a society salon? Or is it to be on the ground floor of the shopping mall next to the escalator because that's where there's a high footfall? which is obviously where you'd want to be, I think, if you were positioning yourself as like a value salon. So what is the ideal size? And what is the ideal location? Is it a 10-chair salon, a 20 or 30-chair salon? Or, or is it to be a two-chair salon? So there's no right or wrong here. Maybe the next thing you should write down is this sentence and finish this off. We or I align ourselves with XYZ product company because you see, when you start thinking about your target market and you start thinking about your salon concept and you start thinking about your ideal client, it very naturally lends its way into thinking about and what are the products that that client would most likely want from the ethos of that manufacturer. So their marketing, their branding, their packaging, their product range, their price point. So we or I have aligned ourselves with insert XYZ products because, finish the sentence. What about this one as another sentence? To our clients, we are known for. To our clients, we are known for. How would you finish that sentence? To our clients, we are known for speed and efficiency. To our clients, we are known for best price in town. For our clients, we are known for being the coolest place to go. To our clients, we are known for full service salon. For our clients, we are known for the best blow dry in town. For our clients, we are known for great value. You know, whatever it is, yeah? finish that sentence. You can put two or three things on it if you want. Maybe another thing you could write down is the top three things that attract and keep our team is. So what are the top three things that will attract and keep your team? It can't just be about money. It has to be about more than money. And maybe the last thing to write down is what really sets us apart from the competition is, and then finish that sentence. You see, whether you have a team or are a business unit of one, think about those questions and how you would answer them. It's not something you'd do in five minutes. It's something you'd reflect on, you'd contemplate over. 
And maybe the answers that you'll come up with imply to you that you need to make a shift in some of the things that you're currently doing. So that brings us to the end of today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more about what we do, then visit my website, which is growmysalonbusiness.com. I'll put that link in the show notes, where you can see the resources that we offer to help you grow your salon business. You'll also find a book called Grow for Marketing on my website, which has a lot more detail in everything that we've been talking about as to exactly how to get better at your salon marketing and branding. So thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with other people that you think would benefit from it and share it on your social platforms. And most importantly, it would really help us if you were to write a review on iTunes. I'll put a link in the show notes that will take you straight to the iTunes page to uh, write a review for us. So until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker at the Grow My Salon Business Podcast signing off. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.